Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate you, teach you, put it in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. At last, at last, this market took a breather. Dow lost 128 points. SB shed 0.38%. NASDAQ sank 0.67%, although we were down a lot more earlier in the session. You know what I got to say? I got to say, it's about darn time. Things had gotten too easy. People got sloppy. How do I know? Because the Uber driver was making too much money on Tesla. Because the college ship was crushing it in Ballard Power. Because the shoeshine man had finally picked the winner, and that winner was AMD. Because these moves had gotten way too crazy, and they had to stop. In the end, even, even the sainted Virgin Galactic, it was felled. Yep, they even got to space, symbol S-P-C-E, or spice, as I like to call it. Look, all sell-offs are not created equal. Some are a lot worse than others. This was not a slash-and-burn sell-off. <laughs> It's like the kind of pruning you do to trees that are too near the power lines. Sure, it looks ghastly when they're done with that wood chipper, but it beats the alternative, which is leaving yourself open to a California-style wildfire. I like it when the market gets pruned because trees grow back, and hopefully they grow back stronger, slower, steadier. Still, it was an odd day for the market to take a dive. There was a lot of good news. Think about it. Uh, We had that uh, Morgan Stanley deal. Morgan Stanley bought E-Trade in an all-stock combination. I think that was a smart move as E-Trade was coming in a poor second behind upstart Robinhood. So why not sell themselves to a fantastic firm like Morgan Stanley? What does the buyer get out of it? Morgan Stanley just reported the best quarter of all the brokerages and all the banks. Yet what happened? Excuse me, I didn't mean to yawn. The stock did nothing. Actually, I meant to yawn. They needed to take action to generate some excitement, some growth, and some additional profit. The synergies here are so easy to see, like the Schwab Ameritrade deal before it. That meant, uh, it meant Morgan Stanley only took a 4.5% hit today, uh, even though they're issuing a lot of new shares. And I've got to tell you, it's just moved up in the pecking order of the brokerage stocks that I like. As CEO James Gorman told me, quote, we are now the gorilla of wealth management, end quote. He explained how this acquisition, quote, continues to shift our profile to asset light, regulatory friendly, without damaging a world-class institutional business. I agree. Tried to work there, got the job, didn't do it. This firm, I like this version of the firm. I like Gorman. There's not a ton of demographic overlap here. E-Trade's clients can benefit from the caliber of advice they'll get from Morgan Stanley. E-Trade's got some great direct-to-consumer technology that will benefit the new parents' customers. And, of course, the combined company can make money on the credit balances of the new clients that E-Trade brings over. By the way, 
This deal, though, is conclusive proof that private upstart Robinhood, which we've had on the show, has truly disrupted the whole brokerage industry with that zero commission business model and the amazingly easy to use app. I mean, oh, darn, I didn't I see kids playing with my phone to buy and sell in stocks. That's all they do. That's all they do. I'm looking at Regina Gilgan. She's got two little kids and they're not allowed to trade stocks. But if they could. They would take that Robin Hood app and they would wham a jam of that virgin battleship Galactica all over the place. Right, this is what happens when you get hundreds of millions of dollars from venture capitalists and you aggressively expand for scale without much concern for profits. A, a long, long time ago, and that's what 25 years is. 25 years ago, I started the street.com, you know, online publication, blah, blah, blah. And I got my hands on some venture capital. It was crazy how much the VC guys wanted me to lose in order to become the winner. The more I spent the more they loved me. Robin is now doing the same thing, so the rest of the industry needs to respond, which is what E-Trade and Morgan Stanley are doing. We're going to hear later from Domino's. They got hit by the, yes, by the venture capital stick, but they've come back strong, and they've crushed them. Now, uh, that was, Morgan Stanley was not the only good news. We got some excellent economic numbers from the Philly Fed. They were shocking, eye-opening. That was on top of some New York numbers earlier this week that suggest we're seeing a bit of an industrial revival in this country, even as we know China's slowing down dramatically. These numbers were so good that you have to believe we're seeing an acceleration. Unemployment claims, they remain at a half-century low, despite the obvious slowdown in China. But wait, there's more. I always wanted to say that. Love him or hate him, President Trump's been great for the stock market. The conventional wisdom on Wall Street says that Bernie Sanders won't be able to win if he gets the Democratic nomination. Now, I'm not a political analyst. I'm just giving what I know I hear all the time. But if you were watching last night's debate, Sanders' chief rival, Mike Bloomberg, everyone says he got eviscerated. From the stock market's perspective, that means Trump's more likely to get reelected, and the market likes Trump. Therefore, last night's debate should have been a victory for the bulls. And that's why we rallied at the opening this morning before that strength evaporated into a wall of mid-morning worry. Fourth positive, Procter & Gamble. It made a presentation to the all-important Consumer Analyst Group of New York, or Cagney, where they told the audience that the coronavirus outbreak will cause a material slowdown in their business, chiefly China. In response, what happened? The company's stock rallied. It jumped to buck 14. Shareholders shrugging off a warning like it was nothing. So then what the heck got people spooked? Why did the market ultimately go down? What was behind it? Okay, I'm going to tell you. First of all, I think in, in a larger rubric, it was South Korea, specifically a coronavirus outbreak in a church group that results in 73 infections, with two-thirds of those coming from one super spreader. Now, maybe they're a close talker there, but this is pretty scary stuff. The outbreak in South Korea reminds me just how difficult it will be to keep the virus from spreading if it starts going beyond the 15 people that have it here. Uh, okay, uh, and don't forget, we also had the, uh, two deaths from that cruise ship that was quarantined so poorly by the Japanese at Yokohama. Oh, and it doesn't help that the United States might be facing a shortage of medicines that are made in Chinese factories. We've outsourced a huge amount of our drug manufacturing to China. Maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Did you know that Hubei, that province that's now totally cordoned off, it has 42 pharma contract manufacturing facilities? Ouch! I mean, this is thank you, Dan D'Amico, the former CEO of Nucor, for bringing this to my attention, of which I've now called a number of doctors to be sure that it's true. And it is. Plus, you know, the air travel will be further crimped, which means more bad news for the hotels and the airlines. Thank you, as always, to CNBC's Phil LeBeau, who fills me in on these things. Here's the thing. It could have been a lot worse. We could have been down as much as we were earlier in the day. Plenty of stocks were down hard, including... 
A wall of shame worthy quarter from Viacom CBS that sent its stock plummeting 18%. And a profit warning from Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings that sent its stock down nearly 7%. Now, I understand, as you do, the weakness of Norwegian. They had needed to cancel cruises in Asia. And I would say the publicity from the epidemic is about as bad for the cruise industry as it gets. But Viacom CBS? I found that blob astounding. See how Bob Backish trumpeted that CBS Viacom merger is a two plus two equals five situation, including, 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 right here, right here, our set, our show, our set, our show, right here, our set, our show, you, me. I now feel it's more like two plus two equals three, which is why so many large investors just gave up on this thing. I think we might have to break out. I don't know if you remember. I think we may have to break out the mad money wall of shame again if things don't improve at that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad situation. It's been a learning experience for investors who want to chase deep value, including my charitable trust. Unfortunately, you know what I'm going to do? I have to break out the post it, put Viacom C on my forehead to remind people how stupid I was to believe in this combination, even if it causes an outbreak of pimples. There were over some real winners. The biggest Domino's pizza up more than 25% on a sharply better than expected quarter. We're going to be uh, talking to Domino's later. How about Zillow? The now Spencer Raskoff free company reported some numbers that weren't as bad as feared stock rally 17%. Bottom line, breathers like this one can extend the life of a rally. But without good news on the virus, I'm pretty certain that we'll have more breathers down the pike. So be prepared. Right here he was. Right here. You think I forget this stuff? You think it doesn't matter to me? You think it just goes right over me? You think I don't live with it? Ralph in Ohio. Ralph. Uh, yes, Mr. Kramer. Yeah. A year and a half ago, you had uh, on your show uh, a chart of the five top oil, refinery, gas stocks. You bet. You had, you had Marathon Petroleum as number one on your list. Yes. My question to you, Mr. Kramer, because of your intelligence, is should I buy more of that stock? You can buy more. Now, I have not been a fan of the oil stocks. I don't know whether people may, may realize that. But uh, this is a refiner. And a lot of what's bad about the oil stocks is good for refining. And that's a very well-run refi- well refiner. Boy, did they get a good price uh, for Speedway. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, I am unremitting, though, in my belief that long term, even though we got a nice little rally brewing, long term, the oil stocks, no. We're going to put them up into the Virgin Galactica. That's a stock that keeps going down after their you know, later date stuff. Hey, hey, Jamel in uh, Delaware. Jamel. Hello, Jim. Uh, long time listener, first time calling. Okay. Uh, you had the CEO of Zillow in your show two months ago. And then the next morning, I went and I bought shares of it. And now I am up 60%. I wanted to know, is it time for me to sell or should I keep this, it? This Zillow? Yes. No, don't sell. I mean, that was, I mean, first of all, the, the, the division that did well, it's a great call, was actually their old premier division. Now if they're going to start getting that home sale division. I, I, I think that this one's going to go much higher. Uh, congratulations, Mr. Barton. That, that was a very nice quarter, very good conference call. I need to go to Hank in New York. He's Hank. Hey, Jim. Yo, yo. I love your show. Thank you. Hey, I called in two years ago about Dexcom because my dog <laughs> uses uh, their CGM sensor 
And since that call and your recommendation, the stock has gone through the roof. Yeah. She she recently got the Tandem T1 Slim insulin pump. Right. And And the Control IQ and the Basal IQ features are amazing. We love this pump, but the stock's been on a tear. Would you buy it here? See, that's the problem. First of all, Hank, thank you for talking about that Dexcom. That's when we've been high, behind, I don't know, maybe since the 40s. Uh, Tandem, we made a really strong push on. And my problem with telling you to buy it now is people were very angry at me that we pushed this thing and it didn't go up immediately because it is heavily shorted. It's now had the breakout. I don't want to press my luck, although I will stick with Dexcom. Because I've got to tell you, that's the better mousetrap in a horrendous disease, as you know from your daughter. Kevin Sayer, thank you for coming on the show so many times. Tom in Kentucky. Tom. Jim, booyah from Bluegrass State. Love Uh, the Bluegrass State. The Horse Museum is so fabulous. Kentucky Horse Museum. Go ahead. uh, Many thanks for your dedication and inspiration. My wife and our retirement is much happier. That makes me uh, feel great. It's been a long day because of Channel 2. So now I'm feeling a little better. What's up? Uh, in light of the hostile takeover by Xerox and Carl Icahn of Hewlett-Packard, I'm interested in your outlook. You know, they ought to give, they ought to give Enrique Lourdes a little break there. You know, he came in, he heard the job. Uh, he's done a terrific job, and i got to tell you, I know they want him probably to buy Xerox in the end. I hope he doesn't have to, but I would stick with HP because I think they're doing a good job, and I like Enrique. I think the guy's Enrique is a good man, and, boy, they're not even letting him have that job for, like, six months before they're all over him like a cheap suit, you know, like that Marshall suit I wore when I went to Goldman Sachs. Okay, it's about time the market took a breather. It's about time that the Virgin Galacticus cooled off for a few seconds. Today's decline could actually extend the rally. But I expect to see more days like today if we don't start seeing positive news about the coronavirus. Oh, man, money tonight. Could the coronavirus actually cause another recession? Well, I'm going to put the risk into some sort of perspective because no one else is. Then Doe delivered. Domino's reported a piping hot quarter, and its stock is, is really rising. Is the move pie in the sky? Ooh, or can it continue? And I'm playing favorites and revealing my new top pick, new one in the biotech space that you may not be focused on. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. 
Company retreated in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If the coronavirus starts spreading here and we all have to stay home, doesn't that mean we'll have a recession? When I read the commentary today about the two unfortunate deaths on the Carnival cruise ship docked at Yokohama or the South Korean wildfire outbreak of the disease that's linked to uh, a religious group, I am amazed that there's still an unrelenting and I think overconfident belief in our ability to beat this virus. Everyone acts like these are all isolated, one-off incidents, and there's not that much to worry about. People seem very confident, even though there's no real sign that the coronavirus is running its course. Hey, look, I hope they're right. But you need to understand the risks in case they're wrong. First, consider the seasonal flu that we deal with every year. According to the CDC, people 65 and over bear the greatest burden of severe flu disease. The older you get, the worse your chances of survival. This is of the regular flu. There's nothing surprising about that, and we're seeing the same pattern with the coronavirus. Unfortunately, this new outbreak is much more virulent than the flu, and there's no vaccine. And the mortality rate is a lot higher because we don't yet have any antivirals to keep it in check. But at the end of the day, this new epidemic is still a lot like influenza. If you're older and you get sick with either one, there's not much we can do for you. I just turned 65. I find it worrisome. Second, the Chinese have done us no favors by putting out statistics that are very difficult to trust. Plus, we know there are places where diseases tend to incubate, like cruise ships, which turn into plague ships during an epidemic. And the CDC even has a website that shows you how easy it is to catch something on a cruise. If we were really concerned about public health in this country, maybe we should just ban all cruises for the duration. I mean, the president banned all trips to Cuba back in June, and that was purely about ideology. It sure wasn't a health issue. I think stopping the spread of this disease is probably more important than cracking down on Cuban communism. The cult war ended 30 years ago, for heaven's sake. Third, if we start seeing more cases here, and I'm beginning to believe we will, then you don't want to go anywhere that people tend to congregate if you can avoid it. That's not just cruises. It's airplanes, hotels, concerts, even restaurants. Subtract all these industries from a country's GDP, whether we're talking about China or Korea or even America, that's a serious hit. Maybe people would go out if we have antiviral drugs to treat the illness or a vaccine. But sadly, neither of these things exist, and I am not getting comfortable that they're on the horizon. Look, I do not want to scare you. There's a good chance that none of this will be necessary. If the virus is contained and we have an unbelievably good public health system with some amazing people behind it, well, then problem solved. 
But if it does keep spreading, you need to understand that all this stuff is on the table. And any of the great public health people who come on our air, including the special after the show, are so good. And they're not giving me a feeling that things are fine. Let me make this as clear as possible. If the epidemic comes here in greater numbers, then people, especially older people who are more at risk, are going to stay home as much as possible because going out makes you a lot more vulnerable. Can that cause a recession? Absolutely. That's what the bond market was saying today. Will it actually happen? I do not know. What I just presented is the worst case scenario. Is it likely? Probably not. Hopefully not. But it's a real possibility, and you need to be aware of that. Unlike the Chinese government, I believe in Kramerica that honesty is the best policy, even when it's ugly or scary. Andrew in Texas. Andrew. Jimmy James, great to talk to you again. Thank you, man. I'm chilling. It's, uh, a little late, but I got to say happy birthday because you and I actually share a birthday. You know so, what? It's happy. never too late to celebrate my birthday is the way I look at it, particularly when there's a surprise party that I found out about. What's going on? Heck, yeah. Hey, my question is kind of just general, um, but mostly about Costco. Um, it could apply to other home gamers or other companies. I'm up over 100 percent in this. At what point do you get a company that is an own it, don't trade it, and go ahead and ring the register well, I'll tell so you, you don't get slaughtered? Andrew raises a good question because I do feel about Costco the way I feel about Apple. I always have, actually, and I've linked the two over time. Uh, up 100%, that certainly means that you try, try to do a little bit of trimming just so you can't give back that gain. But uh, it's my favorite retailer. It's a big position for my charitable trust. And if you don't want to sell any, it's okay, as long as it's not more than 10% of your portfolio. If it is, then I think you're going to have to sell some tomorrow. All right. We already know that older people are more likely to succumb to the seasonal flu than younger generations. We should be applying the same thing to the coronavirus. But obviously, it's much more virulent. For that reason, all governments should attempt to stop the spread by banning places that are incubation chambers, including cruise ships. I don't want that to happen. Cruise ships are some of the best-run companies on Earth. Coming up, the hottest biotech stock, and it's not, not on your radar screen. I'm going to fill you in. But first... Coming up, after a sizzling quarter, will investors throw dominoes a pizza party? Hold the anchovies. Kramer talks with the big cheese. Next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. With a big tech embrace, this company made pizza delivery an art and a science. After a decade of cooking up returns, can new innovations in carryout fuel dominoes to a future worth biting into? Every now and then, a stock will do something so stunning that even I am at a loss for words, in part because there are some words you just can't say on basic cable. 
So I can't really express how I feel watching Domino's Pizza surge $76, more than 25% today, breaking out to new all-time highs in the process. But consider me impressed. Here's a company that Wall Street's been worried about ever since Domino's reported a tough quarter last summer, thanks to vicious competition from all of those online delivery apps. While the stock gradually made up those losses, there was still a ton of skepticism surrounding this one, which is why nearly 10% of its shares were sold short going into this latest quarter. Then Domino's delivers a beautiful top and bottom line beat with higher than anticipated domestic same-store sales, up 3.4%. The longs pile in, and those short sellers, they get squeezed. And that's how stock ends up rallying 25% in a day without a takeover bid. Can it keep climbing? Let's check in with the man of the hour, Rich Allison, the CEO of Domino's Pizza, to get a better read on the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Allison, congrats on the quarter and welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. It's good to be with you again. Rich, you had faith. And the way I know you had faith is that during this period when many doubt, you went in and you bought a ton of stock for the company. Is that because you knew that these uh so-called aggregators, these delivery people, would finally run out of steam, leaving you back to where you were? Well, Jim, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter, it certainly didn't get any easier from a competitive uh, standpoint, but it just didn't get incrementally you know, more difficult. So we kept our focus on the things that we know uh, will drive our business, and we had an opportunity to go out uh, and tap the capital markets and take another $675 million on in debt. And you know, we, we worked hard to deploy that during the fourth quarter so we could set the business up for 2020 for uh, you know, another strong performance. Uh, were the people at your shop who said, wow, we did great, but did we do 25% great? Or did people say, you know what, this is the breakout quarter, and wait till people see it, they're going to be astonished. Yeah, you know, we, we're really happy, you know, Jim, with the quarter, um, you know, on, on pretty much all dimensions, and in particular, the continued growth of that carryout business that we've been talking about for a long time. You know, while most of the industry's running headlong into delivery, which is inherently a more profitable channel to serve, we're working hard to hold serve on that delivery side of the business while really growing that carryout channel, which is going to be an important part of the profit equation going forward. Can you explain to people the gross margins of these situations, how much money you make, and how, how great takeout really is for you guys? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. So the, on the carryout side of the business, the ticket is lower, but because the cost to serve is so much lower, you end up with really strong margins in that side of the business. And, Jim, this gets particularly pronounced on the coastal regions of the country where minimum wage has risen so rapidly, the cost of carrying that food to the customer is only getting more uh, expensive. So we look at it as you know, a, a, a nice mix of two businesses that we can run in the same box that when you combine them together, create a great profit equation for our franchisees. Uh, meantime, loyalty, unbelievable. Your program is probably the fastest growing loyalty program that I follow. Yeah, we uh, passed the 25 million active member uh, milestone in our loyalty program, which we were pretty happy about. As you'll recall, this time last year, we had just passed uh, 20. And it's really an area of untapped opportunity for us is to take not only those 25 million active, but the 40 million that are enrolled and the 85 million that we have in our customer database and really get more targeted and pinpoint in how we 
we present offers to them. That's still an area that we haven't fully taken advantage of yet. Now, Rich, you have never knocked competitors, nor has your predecessor, and I really appreciate that. But at the same time, as mentioned in your conference call, I've got an article here. Pizza Hut operator NPC considers options, including bankruptcy. This is a company that's a billion dollars in debt. It's a very big franchisee. And i got to tell you, if I have a franchisee that's in trouble, my company's in trouble. It appears that you do not have, you do not have the same mosaic of franchisees that your competitors have. Yeah, we've got a much more distributed mix uh, of franchisees across the U.S. And, you know, in fact, we as the company are the largest operator of Domino's Pizza stores in the U.S., and we like it that way. Uh, You know, number one, uh, we feel everything our franchisees feel. So when I stand up in front of them and talk about what we need to do in the business, you know, we're doing it from a place where, you know, we believe it and feel it ourselves. And Also, it it minimizes the risk for us that if we had any one particular franchisee get into trouble, that it could cause a a disproportionate impact on the brand overall. All right, so let's let's deal with a tough one. Uh, At one point, you talked about Domino's China. This is uh, Barclays, Jeffrey Bernstein, saying, largest untapped market within Domino's system. Obviously, your, your main concern is to the health of the employees. If that's the case, how can you be open? Don't you have to send them home? So, you know, we've got of our stores in in China, which we've got about 270 or so of now, we've only got a handful of them that are closed today. But we have quite a bit more than that that are not operating, you know, with a dine-in business today. So we're delivering product, but in most cases we're using what we call contactless delivery, you know, where the team on the ground in an effort to look out for the safety of our team members and our customers have put protocols in place for us to safely uh, deliver uh, pizzas to the customers in China without, you know, a lot of, uh, of direct uh, contact with one another. And as you said, Jim, really, first and foremost, at this point in time, it's not sales, it's not store openings that we're concerned about. It's about the safety of our customers and our team members. Now, I understand that some of the more rigorous alphas, of which I presume Domino's is, uh, some of the precautions, some of them I'm reading are y- y- people uh, taking temperatures. Uh, uh, of people who work there. Masks, obviously, um, these are things that I guess are now common practice in China. So, Jim, you know, we've got, uh, and I'm so proud of our team Dash brands uh, in China. They put some very good protocols in place, you know, to make sure that if team members, you know, are, uh, are experiencing, you know, health problems, that uh, they stay home, you know, and don't come in uh, that could, you know, adversely affect other team members or customers. And for those team members that are staying home for those reasons or couldn't get back from some of the more effective uh, provinces, um, you know, they're also taking care of the team members from a compensation standpoint, which just makes me really proud. All right. So let's talk about the uh, profitable franchises position for enterprise growth. A chart where you talk about the estimated average U.S. enterprise EBITDA per franchisee. It just keeps growing. I guess it's just continually worthwhile for people who are delivery people to ultimately hope and save to be able to get their own franchise. Yeah, so, you know, this past year, uh, Jim, we still don't have the final numbers in on store-level EBITDA for our franchisees. It was 141000 per store in 2018. We're expecting it to come in really close to that in 2019. And in an environment where labor costs are rising so rapidly, you really have to keep growing sales in the restaurant industry today you know, just to stay flat or to get any growth out of unit level profitability. So we're, we're happy with where the cash on cash returns are there today. 
And then at an enterprise level, as our franchisees continue to grow, that gives them an opportunity to drive more EBITDA at their overall enterprise level. Also creates great opportunities for folks who've joined us as drivers or assistant managers to ultimately become a Domino's franchisee and fulfill their dreams. Well, Rich, I just want to congratulate you. You know, we've been with you since 10 bucks, never doubted you. And wow, what a quarter. Rich Allison, CEO of Domino's Pizza. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Jim. Always been right the whole way and still is. Mad Money's back into the break. Just because you're paranoid, well, it, it doesn't mean they're not out to get you. I've been worrying and worrying that the market wasn't taking this epidemic seriously enough. So we get hammered the next time we got some bad coronavirus data. And today we got all that volatility in a nutshell. Average opened down, then pushed depository before turning violently lower as we started hearing more reports of coronavirus deaths outside of China. And we got a little lift in the close. It was kind of surprising, frankly, we were able to rally at all. Now, if you went off this roller coaster, and I can't blame you, that doesn't mean you should abandon the whole asset class. That's what people are saying in my Twitter file. That's a mistake. Instead, we want to look for stocks that can work even in a crazy market that whips back and forth between euphoria and coronavirus terror. In other words, you want names with what are known as uncorrelated returns. I typically don't use that kind of thing because it's Wall Street mumbo jumbo, but it means things that keep working regardless of what happens with the outbreak. And what fits this bill? I think biotech. It's a strong group that had a rough day because of last night's Democratic debate, where Elizabeth Warren practically ripped Michael Bloomberg's heart out on live TV. And presumed frontrunner Bernie Sanders made it out mostly unscathed. See, Sanders and Warren, the two candidates' most hostile at drug companies, I, well, let me say they could be a formidable pair. And so it was a good night for them, and that translated immediately into a bad session for this whole sector. But I've been waiting for that to happen. As I've been telling you all along, with these candidates saying what they'll actually be able to do if they end up in office, they're very different things. That's one reason the drug stocks have been performing so well in recent months. And it's why I like them into any weakness like we had. Tonight, I want to focus on one that I don't talk about. It's a biotech that I think has maybe the brightest future. It's the smoking hot Vertex Pharmaceuticals. Now, this is a company that we've followed for a long time, just haven't brought it up. Used to be a promising orphan drug play. Those are those high-priced drugs for incredibly rare conditions with a whole suite of cystic fibrosis medications. Terrible disease. After a big run in early 2017, Vertex fell off the radar for many investors. The stock spent a couple of years trading sideways, bounced between the 150s and the 180s. But last October, the company announced the surprise approval of its fourth cystic fibrosis drug, and the stock ignited. Vertex was trading at 165 in late September, and it's now at 245. And a lot of experts are calling it the most promising story in biotech. I think they may be right. So we got to talk about it tonight because there's a kind of a reshuffling in this group. And this is the one that's winning. First off, Vertex has become the leader in the fight against cystic fibrosis. Now, this is a brutal genetic condition that causes your lungs and your digestive system to flood with extra sticky mucus, making it hard to breathe and eventually does wreck your lungs. That's why the average life expectancy for an American suffering from disease is a tragic 37.5 years. Cystic fibrosis is not a small disease. It afflicts 75,000 people in the U.S., Europe, and Australia, with 1,000 new cases in the U.S. every year. 
And that's why these orphan drugs are so expensive, because nobody would invest in these life-saving therapies if they weren't allowed to charge an arm and a leg for them. Because while that's a lot of people to be sick, well, it's not enough necessarily to be able to make a hugely profitable drug without these orphan drug rules. Fortunately, Vertex has made some major strides in treating this horrible condition. Since 2012, they've come out with four cystic fibrosis drugs. The most recent just launched last quarter, and that's driven some spectacular revenue growth. In 2016, Vertex did $1.7 billion in sales. Last year, they did $4 billion. Meanwhile, their earnings have surged from $0.85 cents a share in 2016 to $5.33 a share last year. Why did the stock explode higher last fall? It's because Vertex's newest drug, Trikafta, which can potentially help 18,000 cystic fibrosis patients in the U.S., got FDA approval five months earlier than Wall Street expected. Vertex was ready, though, as the rollout was almost immediate. As CEO Jeffrey Lydon told CNBC's our own Meg Terrell in October... The simple answer to your question is yes, we are ready. We have built appropriate inventory. We have plans to get this drug out as quickly as we can to all of the patients who are waiting for it here in the U.S. If anyone had doubts, Vertex put them to rest when it reported its latest quarter a couple of weeks ago. Wall Street expected the company to make $1.20 per share on about $1 billion in revenues. Get this. They gave you $1.70 per share on $1.4 Four billion in revenues, one of the biggest beats of the year so far. Turns out Leiden wasn't lying. Most of that beat came from Tricafta's sales. They hit $420 million when the analysts were only looking for $95 million. I mean, it's a top-selling drug right out of the gate, and I'm told there's some other good ones, variations of this, in the pipe. Now, thanks to this new drug, Vertex can treat up to 90% of the people who suffer from cystic fibrosis. There are 18,000 patients eligible for Trikafta in the United States. That's 6,000 more than their older drugs could help. And that matters. Now, it didn't take long for the analyst community to start realizing that Vertex has something really special here. In the last few months, we've seen not one, not two, but three analysts call this thing some variation of, quote, the best story in biotech. That's why I've been remiss. I should have brought my, this to your, to your attention earlier. See, in December, it was Credit Suisse, Evan Stegerman, calling Vertex, quote, the best growth story in large cap biotech. Not only does he like Trikafta, he's also excited about the pipeline beyond cystic fibrosis. They're working on drugs for some blood disorders like the terrible illness that is sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia, as well as alpha-1 and trypsin deficiency, which is another genetic condition that can cause serious lung and liver damage, including cirrhosis and emphysema. That said, Credit Suisse uh, also removed their topic designation for Vertex. They thought it'd run too much, and they gave that title to the beaten-down Regeneron. That's Len Schleifer's company. Don't forget, they play a powerful role in some of the uh, terrible uh, epidemics we've had. I sure hope that they come up with something for coronavirus. In December, J.P. Morgan's biotech analyst, Corey Kasimov, named Vertex one of his top picks for 2020, based on similar logic. He says, quote, this is the cleanest story in biotech, and the next 12 months potentially offers something for everyone, end quote. Wow. Finally, just last week, Citigroup ranked the large-cap biotech names in their coverage universe, and they named Vertex their top pick, thanks to its strong base uh, uh, business uh, it's good growth, long patent life, and a potential catalyst in its pipeline. Vertex currently has $63 billion market capitalization. Listen to what City said. Vertex could be the next entry in the $100 billion market cap club, end quote. Now, that would represent a 57% move from where the stock's currently trading. That's why you must, must, must keep this in front of you if the stock comes down. So where do I come down on this? Look, as much as I hate to chase, I honestly don't think you're too late to the, the party with Vertex if you buy at these levels. This is a real company with phenomenal sales, monster. Great pipe. In fact, 
It trades at just 23 times next year's earnings estimates. That's absurdly cheap for a company with such rapid growth. The bottom line, Vertex Pharma got dinged today. And I think this is a very viable dip in what's widely considered to be the hottest biotech story of the year. One that's accomplished something that was unthinkable not too long ago. A near triumph over the scourge that is cystic fibrosis. Stay with me. It is time to start the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Stay down and cover the lightning round. Stefan, Stefan, Stephen in Florida. Stephen. Booyah, Professor Kramer. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my girlfriend and I are big fans of yours. And uh, as a Chevy Camaro owner, I'm just curious of your, your opinion on GM here. No, I think GM is of the past. No matter what they do, it seems they close plans. They try to rationalize. I think it can go up, but it's value. And it's going to go up over time, uh, but not great. Okay? I think it's going to perform less in the market. Let's go to Samir in Florida. Samir! Hey, Booyah, Kramer. How are you? I'm Long good. How are you? Since 1999. There you go. And I have my son over here, Devin. He's 14 years old, and he has a question for you. Sure. Hi, Jim. I wanted to know what you think about the stock Okta. And please oh. wish me luck on my future investments. Well, look, I mean, that's a Kramer family fave, Okta. Uh, now, it is a what I call first young uh, young man. It is a high flyer. Todd McKinnon's doing a great job. I would not buy it all at once. Zscaler's down tonight. That could make Okta go lower. Maybe a pick at it that way. And thank you for watching. I need to go. No, no, no. I'm going to Douglas in New Jersey. Douglas. Jimmy Chill. You hold me the chill man's in the house. Big booyah from the chilly Jersey Shore. Ah, I mean, I'm an Asbury guy myself. What's going on? Let's go to work, shall we? All right. Jim, what are your thoughts on Franco Nevada? I like Franco Nevada. I like Franco Nevada more than I like Franco Harris. Here's the problem. I happen to like Barrick Gold even more than FNV. Uh, and by the way, we're going to get to the bottom of what happened with that Ignigo Eagle, which was uh, backish-like, frankly. It was backish-like, which is the new, that's a verb. Okay, and that's an adverb. What is that? Like, it's an adjective? Does it really matter? It's what's going to wake me up in the middle of the night. Let's go to Drew in Florida. Drew! How you doing, Kramer? Big fan. Yes, Companies yes. Intel stat. Um, today they released the positive earnings, and you got David Tepper in the picture. Uh, yeah, I know, but this thing going? is such a battleground. I mean, you know, there's an SEC issue. I looked at it. I decided it was too. I decided it was a dice roll. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. been a wild and crazy short week for the market. Between coronavirus fears, soaring spec stocks, and massive earnings reports, I think there's no better time than now to check in on your portfolios to make sure they're diversified. We haven't been playing enough. I hear your voices. I answer them. That's right. Tonight we're playing Am I Diversified? This is where you call me. You tell me your top five holdings. I'm going to tell you how you're doing. Maybe you need to mix it up a little. So first up is Dane in Florida. Dane. 
Hey, Mr. Kramer, how you doing? This is Dane from the great city and state of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Big booyah to you, sir. I like that whole attitude. It's very good. Let's go. Absolutely. So, sir, I have a portfolio currently made up of five stocks. And if I could go back 10 years, I would have loved to have been listening to your show and just gone straight into the spider index. However, I'm I'm currently have a portfolio of Amazon, Cisco, Johnson and Johnson, Microsoft, and Pepsi. With the one laggard there being Cisco right now, and I'm curious your thoughts of: Am I well diversified, or should I look elsewhere for any one of those holdings? I want to be sure it's PepsiCo, right? That was one miss. Okay. Uh, look, Dane's got horse sense. Gulf Breeze, by the way, is beautiful. Just so you know. I mean, just kind of complete the circle. You know what I mean? Okay. Microsoft, class of the field tech. I'm calling Amazon an all-around retailer. Uh, J&J, one of the best pharmaceuticals. Have you noticed that thing's been percolating despite the lawsuits? PepsiCo, charitable trust name. It was a magnificent quarter. It's food. And then Cisco was indeed disappointing. Okay, so you got Cisco and you have Microsoft. I know these are both my charitable trust, but we're going to have to eliminate Cisco. All right? And we're going to go with an industrial because the industrials have gotten hot again. It's time to pick up Honeywell. Darius Adamchek doing a terrific job despite slowdowns across the board in much of Asia. Tony in California. Tony! Tony, you're up. Tony? Tony? Maria? Tony? West Side Story joke. Tony? Okay. Why don't we go to Scott? You know what? Let's just go to Scott in my home state of New Jersey while we're waiting for Tony. Scott. Yes. Go ahead, Scott. You're up. Jim, am I diversified? Okay. Uh, NPLX. Mm-hmm. Ring Central. Ring Central. How can I help you? Um, yep. Ventos. Yep. Disney and Apple. Okay. Let's do some work here. All right. We got an oil, you know, pla- you know, master limited part. No. I mean... I really just these are the stocks that are killing everyone. They, anybody who owns them is probably feeling great about Bernie Sanders because they're giving away money to other people because they own these. Um, and, and this is a publicly traded, uh, you know, it was a yield performing MLP. Okay, and it's terrible. Now we got Disney. Bob Iger continues to distinguish himself as being a guy who's well ahead of the pack. Ring Central, Ring Central, how can I help you? I mean, Ring Central has been a horse. It's one of the best of the internet stocks that we follow, service business communications. Ventos, Deborah Cafaro, she's back. Deb, please come on. That was a really nice quarter. And then Apple, what can I say? Apple, own it, don't trade it. We've got tech, we've got software as a service, we have, we got Disney Entertainment, and Ventos, yes, a real estate investment trust run by our fave Deb Cafaro. And it was a magnificent quarter. All right, now let's go to work with Paul in Texas. Paul. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Paul. This portfolio is international companies headquartered in London. So if you have any additional information about it, besides being diversified, I'd appreciate it. Of course. I have BP, British Petroleum. Okay. BTI, British American Tobacco. Right. GSA, GlaxoSmithKline. Right. NGG, National Grid, and RIO, Rio Tinto. Jim, am I diversified? Holy cow, are you ever British in your orientation? All right. So GlaxoSmithKline, Emma Walmsley, drug company, by the way, king of the vaccines. Uh, British American Tobacco, I don't care for tobacco, which is the old oil. 
Uh, but it's, you know, got something to say for it. BP is a new oil. It's doing absolutely horrible. It's one of the reasons why I've turned the page against the uh, uh, the carbon stocks. National Grid's very good utility. Never gets the, re- the, uh, uh, the ne- it really never gets the kudos that it deserves. And Rio Tinto is a mineral company. It's a drug. It's a mineral. It's an unfortunate oil. It's an unfortunate tobacco. And it's utility. There's a lot of unfortunates there, but it does have the uh, virtue of diversification. Wow. Britain, huh? National Grid's a good company. You know, it's, I used to pay them all the time. It's the old Brooklyn Union gas, a couple of companies. Anyway, why don't you stay with Kramer? Stay right there. You don't want to miss a CNBC special report on the coronavirus outbreak hosted by my friend Tyler Matheson. You know how I feel about this. I think we're a little bit too overconfident. When it comes to the virus. Now, Zscale reported tonight it wasn't up to snuff. I thought it looked okay, but you know how things are with the high flyers. The Virgin Galactic is starting to come in. Please wait till that thing's back under 30. If you really insist on buying it, it is a very expensive stock, and you've got to be very careful with these high flyers right here, right now. They're not working. I like to say there's always a more market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The CBC special report begins right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.